Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. Well, we are on week number three of our series called Forgotten Realm, where we are exploring the often forgotten supernatural realm. We got a lot to unpack today, but before we do that, I want you to stand with me. Come on, don't be shy. Stand with me and just greet someone and tell them it's going to be good today. Go ahead. All right. Someone said it's going to be good today, and then I saw them leave, so that's, I don't know what that means, but. Well, on week one, we talked about a, uh, a worldview and what that looks like and how that plays into this idea of the forgotten realm. We said that a worldview is the perspective from which we see and interpret life. It is a set of beliefs that define how we view and interact with the world, meaning that every experience we have passes through our worldview, which then helps us interpret that event and define our reality or our perceived reality. We said that for most in the West, we have a two-tier view of reality. We have this realm of religion where God is up here, and then we have a natural realm of science and natural laws, and this is how most in the West view this. But we said that we've excluded the middle realm or the spiritual realm, that we've kind of totally ignored it, the realm of uh, the supernatural, the realm of demons, the realm of angels, largely because since the age of enlightenment... Uh, or the age of reason, we've been taught to interpret life naturally. The idea is known as naturalism that we've talked about. Uh, We'll put it on the screen. It's the idea or belief that only natural, as opposed to supernatural or spiritual, laws and forces operate in the world. The system of thought that all phenomena can be explained in natural terms, or explained in terms of natural causes or natural laws. This means for most in the Western culture, we approach this idea of the spiritual realm, that excluded middle, we approach that realm with a lot of skepticism. And that means that the uh, uh, angelic beings, uh, demons, demonic possession, uh, angelic visitation, spiritual warfare uh, has largely been written off to fairy tales or folklores. This presents a problem for us because if we exclude the middle realm, go back one if you, uh, on the slide there, will you? If we exclude that middle realm, it presents a problem for us because if we ignore the spiritual realm, it could very well mean that, that we could be uh, fighting the wrong enemy on the wrong front because some of what we are experiencing is not natural and cannot be handled by natural ideas, natural wisdom, or natural ideologies that it has to be presented from a a spiritual vantage point. And so last year we discussed this idea of spiritual warfare. We said some statements, I want to reset the stage. We said that that the world is engaged in a cosmic war between a myriad of agents, agents, both human and angelic, both good and evil, that have aligned themselves with either God or Satan. Scripture carries a very clear common theme. The assumption that creation, all of creation, has been seized by a cosmic force that opposes God and all that is good. 
God is now engaged in a spiritual war to reconcile and restore creation back to himself. This means that at every moment, including this moment, that there is a struggle between good and evil. There is a struggle between dark and light, a clash between kingdoms. Warfare is the unseen realm between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world ruled by Satan. That's what spiritual warfare is. It is conflict in the invisible realm that affects the visible realm. It is battles, spiritual battles, in a spiritual realm that affect the physical realm that we live in. Listen to what Billy Graham said on this subject. He said, since the fall of Lucifer, that angel of light and the son of morning, there has been no respite in the bitter battle of the ages. Night and day, Lucifer, the master craftsman, of the devices of darkness, labors to thwart God's plan of the ages. We can find inscribed on every page of human history the consequences of evil brought to fruition by the powers of darkness with the devil in charge. Satan never yields an inch, nor does he ever pause in his opposition to the plan of God to redeem the cosmos from his control. This is the environment that we find ourselves in today. This is the, the, the reality of what we find ourselves in. Now, if you missed last week, strongly encourage you to go back, revealvineyard.com, listen to that message, or check it out on our podcast. It's part one of this uh, message, uh, and there's a lot of foundation that we can't go into right now because we just don't have time, but it will be well worth your time to take a listen to it. Today, I want us to explore the idea of Jesus and how he engaged in spiritual warfare and what that means for us today as his people and as his church. So let's pray, and we're going to jump in. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, just the, the, the great time of worship and uh, experiencing your presence upon us and uh, for speaking truth to us and over us. Even as we proclaim truth, you speak truth back to us. And so now we present ourselves to you in the study of your word to hear your truth and to be led in truth and to uh, be instructed on the way that we should go. And so would you, for each one of us, would you enlighten us? Would you reveal yourself to us? Would you uncover those things which are hidden that we need to hear, that we need to know? Holy Spirit, you're invited to rule, reign in this place right now and have your way. And as we continue with our worship, we do even through an offering of giving ourselves to you, even through our finances, to place you first over all things in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In order to understand the mission of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, um, we must see his advent or his arrival as part of the grand narrative that shows God striving to establish his sovereign will or his kingdom. We'll be talking about that a lot today. His kingdom on earth over the spiritual forces that oppose him. In John 14, Jesus refers to Satan as the prince or ruler of this age. That idea, the prince or ruler, the word is actually archon, that carries a very interesting meaning. The term was used in sexual, sec, secular context to denote the highest official. Oh, clean your mind. The term was used in secular context to denote the highest official in a city or a region. It refers to the preeminent ruler 
a commander with authority or influence over people in a particular jurisdiction. This is the word Jesus assigned to Satan. What is his jurisdiction? We're living in it. We are experiencing it. The archon, the ruler of the world with pervading influence that has saturated all of creation. This is how Jesus uh, sets up uh, our, our narrative today. This is the reality that he speaks into. This means that the coming of Jesus really was an act of war. And through his words and through his actions, we see this profound truth. uh, That the things of God, the purposes of God, the plan of God, and the will of God must be fought for. And that was the war that he entered into. Matthew 6, Jesus says, pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, uh, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and your will be done. Which means to some part at least, to some extent at least, that the will of God is not fully being done here on earth as it is in heaven. This is the struggle that Jesus came uh, uh, to, to meet head on. And this is the struggle that we find ourselves in today. This is the tension that we find ourselves today. Meaning that everything that Jesus did was an expression of the spiritual war taking place between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan that opposes all that is good and all things of God. This is why Jesus proclaimed repeatedly throughout his ministry. He said things like, the kingdom of God has come, or the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God is near, or the kingdom uh, of God has broken in among us. He is declaring, at this moment, my kingdom is overthrowing the kingdom of darkness and the archon or the ruler of this age. Now we need to talk about this idea of a kingdom. What did Jesus mean when he referred to the kingdom of God? Was he talking about a physical location? Was he talking about heaven? Is that what the kingdom of God is? Is the kingdom of of God inside of us and we just have to tap into it? When Jesus referenced the kingdom of God, he was not referring to a physical kingdom, nor was he referring to a physical location. The kingdom of God, this is important, the kingdom of God is wherever the rule and reign of God is present. Now that's key because the overarching theme of Jesus' ministry was always the kingdom of God. Always the kingdom of God. And because the kingdom of God is not a location, the kingdom of God is wherever the rule and reign of God is present. That is the king's dome or the king's domain. It is present wherever the king's authority is the ruling authority. That means wherever Jesus went, the rule of God The reign of God, the authority of God went with him, and that meant that the kingdom of God went wherever he went. This is why Jesus declared, the kingdom of God has come. And then he went on to demonstrate what the kingdom of God is like. This was part of his spiritual warfare. He demonstrated what the reign or the rule of God is like. How did he do that? Well, he did this by praying and healing the sick and casting out demons, and serving those who are in need, and gathering the marginalized, and releasing the oppressed, and being an instrument of social justice. This was all part of the spiritual warfare that Jesus was bringing. And so whenever Jesus went, the kingdom, or the rule of uh, reign of God, went with him. It's why early church fathers called him the, the auto basileia. The, the idea there is auto is self, and and Basileia is dominion, rule of king. They said he is himself the kingdom, meaning the kingdom is in person. The kingdom is not a location. It's not heaven. The kingdom of God is wherever the rule and reign and power of God is present. And so early church fathers said he himself is the kingdom because the rule and reign of God goes with him. 
Everything Jesus did was a spiritual war against the archon, the ruler of this age. In Mark 3, Jesus taught, if you're going to come into a strong man's home, you must first bind the strong man. And Jesus said, the only way it is possible to bind the strong man is if someone stronger than the strong man can bind the strong man. What he was saying is that if anyone is going to come against Satan, he must be stronger than Satan. And what Jesus understood his mission to be is that I will establish my kingdom because I am stronger than the strong man. And this is the mission. This is the purpose of Jesus coming to begin to bind the strong man and to unleash the kingdom of God. With every healing, he demonstrated who holds ultimate power. With raising the dead, he put his signature on the grave saying, I own life and death. Every time he exercised authority over demons, he was coming against the ruler of this age and overpowering the strong man. When he established the marginalized and gave them equal footing with the rest of society, it was a spiritual warfare. It was the kingdom of God breaking in among us. The respect and dignity placed upon women was Jesus breaking an evil patriarchal system that used and abused women because it was not part of the value system of the kingdom of God. When he challenged racial prejudice, the common belief that Jews elevated themselves over the Gentiles, Jesus was coming against the systemic evil of racism that has rooted itself in creation. Why do we think that Jesus used the Samaritan as the hero in his parable? You remember the, the, the parable, uh, a, a traveler is, uh, uh, falls victim to thieves. He is left on the side of the road to die. And Jesus says, a Jewish priest walked by. And everyone was thinking, well, the priest will help him. But Jesus said, no, the priest passed him by. And then it was a Levite, another Jewish uh, individual of the temple system. And they had to be thinking, well, surely a Levite will stop. And no, the Levite passed him by. And Jesus made the Samaritan, the protagonist of our story, the hero of the story, which was scandalous because the Jews hated the Samaritans. And this was Jesus saying, look, we are tearing down the system of racism that has established itself over creation. This was Jesus doing spiritual warfare against the archon of this world because prejudice has no place in his kingdom. Everything that Jesus did, everything he taught was an act of war against the kingdom of lies and hatred and death. Everything. Which means, whenever we give ourselves to the things that he fought against, whenever we give ourselves to uh, uh, the kingdom that he warred against, whenever we allow ideologies and systems to remain intact that are contrary to his kingdom, whenever we choose bitterness over forgiveness, and whenever we choose hate over love, and whenever we devalue someone based upon the color of their skin or their gender, Guess which kingdom we are supporting and which kingdom we are promoting? This is a big deal because Jesus came against that kingdom and when we allow that systemic evil to be present in us, we are siding with and promoting the counter kingdom that Jesus came to crush. Everything he did was spiritual warfare, which continued all the way up to the cross. The cross, too, with spiritual warfare. Do not view the cross in a vacuum. Oftentimes we talk about the cross as if, as if all the miracles that we read about in the Gospels was just Jesus killing time until it was his time to die. It's like, well, I got about three and a half years to kill, so uh, I guess I'll heal that blind guy. No. It was all spiritual warfare 
all of it lumped together, including the cross, including the resurrection. It was all part of what Jesus was doing. The cross was an act of war. Now, too often we view the cross primarily through the personal benefits that it provides for me. In other words, uh, God's perfect justice was satisfied, therefore my sins are covered, uh, I get life, um, I get heaven, and it's all about the personal benefits, which there is a personal benefit, don't get me wrong. But it's bigger than that. It's not just about your redemption. The cross and the resurrection were battlefronts where God defeated his cosmic en- uh, enemy along with the other, other evil powers that were under his control. So it's not just healing the sick, uh, uh, releasing the oppressed, and then the cross is over here. They are all together. It was all Jesus waging war against the kingdom of darkness because this was his purpose. Look at 1 John 3. It says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Our reconciliation to God is made possible only because of the broader cosmic victory that Jesus accomplished on the cross. This is the life of ministry of Jesus. This is the ministry of Jesus. It was all spiritual in nature. It was all spiritual warfare. Everywhere he went, he went to establish the values of the kingdom and he instituted the culture of the kingdom. I want us to think about that because we're going to take this somewhere right now. Everything Jesus did was to institute the values of his kingdom and to institute the culture of his kingdom because every kingdom has a culture. Now, we don't use the word kingdom much anymore. We can substitute it with country or region or state or even people groups. It doesn't matter. Regardless of what you call it, every kingdom has a culture. Now, depending on what kingdom or country or region you you are from, there are certain protocols that you follow as a resident of that kingdom. When I go to India with a team, we have another team going in March. When we go to India, I don't need a GPS to tell me I'm in India. I don't need a sign to say India. The culture of India lets me know that I'm in India, right? The sights and the smells and the traffic and the cattle in the street and men holding hands and the Hindu shrines that are established around trees and all of that culture that is there. It's obvious to me where I am at. The kingdom of God also has a culture that reflects the king of the kingdom. The kingdom of God has a culture and a value system. And all of humanity lives and functions and participates in one of these two kingdom cultures. Either the kingdom culture of God or the kingdom culture of Satan. The kingdom culture of the world is a culture of greed. But the kingdom culture of God is one of generosity. The kingdom culture of darkness is to look out for myself and to be selfish and to be self-absorbed. The kingdom value of the kingdom of God, the values, the culture of the kingdom of God is to put others above yourself. The kingdom of this world is if someone hurts you, get revenge. That is their culture. The culture of the kingdom of God, if someone hurts you, forgive them. The culture of the kingdom of this world, if you hate me, man, I am going to hate you right back. The culture of the kingdom of God is if you hate me, I will love you. The culture of darkness is us against them. It's racism and hatred. The kingdom of God is that we are all equal. We are all image bearers of God. So here's what I want you to understand. The God or kingdom that you serve will determine your value system and your culture. 
the God or kingdom that you serve will determine your value system and will determine your culture. 1999, AIDS accounted for 8.2 million orphans in the world, most of them in Africa. Uh, And the rapid spread of this disease was largely because of the culture and the value system that was tied to the kingdom that they served. Witch doctors gave destructive uh, advice uh, based on the deception of their spiritual kingdom in which they said, for a man to be cured of HIV or AIDS, they must have sex with a virgin. And so that's what men did. And the disease exploded. Because the kingdom that you serve will determine your value system and will determine your culture. In the Hindu culture, sex trafficking is exploding in places like India. The cultural practice has allowed an entire country to look at the sexual exploitation of young girls as to think of it as being normal. Matter of fact, uh, not just normal, but they would go as far to say it is just part of their role in society. Because the kingdom you serve will determine your values and will determine your culture. Uh, Ruchira Gupta is a founder of an organization working to end sex trafficking in in India. She said this, We have been campaigning to change the anti-trafficking law to punish customers and pimps. And the biggest challenge I face, she said, is the normalization of the rape of poor women in our culture. Their prostitution is considered inevitable, and the men who buy them are considered natural or considered just normal. Politicians, senior police officials, heads of foundations, and every policymaker have told me, even policymakers have told me, men will be men, or girls from good families will be raped if prostitution does not exist. The kingdom that you follow... The king that you follow will determine your culture and will determine the value systems that you feed into the realm that we're living in, this physical realm. It happens everywhere. And we can either promote the culture and the values of the kingdom of God because we are in a spiritual war, or we can promote the values and the culture, the kingdoms of darkness and the archon of this age. Now, Christians ask all the time, Well, how do we engage in spiritual warfare? What does that look like? And there has been books and there have been seminars and there have been sermon series on on, on, uh, procedures and and ideas and uh, and one value over another and systems and methods to warfare. And some have gone to the great extent of mapping out uh, regions of the United States or regions of the world and naming the principalities and the authority, the demonic authorities that, that reign over that region. And then they would get together and they would pray and they would tear down demonic strongholds in the name of Jesus and and, and, and all of that, right? And I'm not minimizing prayer. It's an important component. But if you want to engage in spiritual warfare, just live like Jesus lived. If you want to engage in spiritual warfare, just do what Jesus did. Look, all this stuff that we come up with, with principalities and naming it and claiming it and all of that stuff, I'm, I'm not minimizing prayer, the prayer of authority. But man, if you want to make an impact, if you want to promote the kingdom values of God and the culture of God, just begin doing what Jesus did. And you will 
begin to promote the value system of the kingdom. You will be involved in spiritual warfare. Sometimes we think spiritual warfare is just when we encounter someone with a demon, someone who's acting strange and under some demonic control. Everything is spiritual warfare because the ruler of this age has a systemic evil that has been rooted in creation and we are coming against it. And so if you want to be involved in spiritual warfare, just begin to do what Jesus did. The kingdom culture, model the kingdom culture of love and respect and valuing all people as image bearers of God. Model the kingdom culture of forgiveness and kindness and compassion. Stop dividing people into categories that God neither established nor sanctions. It's not part of his kingdom. Stand against the systemic evil that has rooted itself in creation. Because all aspects of creation, every part of society, is affected by a system of evil under the dominion of the archon of Satan. And there is nothing that has not been touched, and there is nothing that has not been stained. This means that poverty and racism and social ills are empowered by cosmic forces working to establish this type of evil in every age and every person in every region without exception. And it's been like that since the beginning of humanity. As followers of Christ, our lives should be an act of war against that system of evil. And if your life is not an act of war against that system of evil, you are missing your part of your purpose here as a follower of Christ. Listen, listen very carefully. If a structured systemic evil exists, if it's rooted, if it's universal, it's just not an individual person who's doing something evil, but if, if it's systemic, if it's structured, if there's a culture, if there's a system of evil, and if it exists, we can no longer view evil as an individual problem. If racism is true, which it is, we cannot approach this with an individual response that says, well, I am not a racist, therefore I've done my part against this evil. No. It's bigger than that. You can't be content just because the debris isn't in your yard when the debris is in every yard around you. If evil is systemic, if it is universal, we cannot be content by just saying, well, I'm not a racist, or I don't abuse women. I've done my part. You cannot. It's bigger. It's so much bigger than that. We cannot take that approach if racism is systemic, if it's universal. We cannot take that approach if it's been established and rooted in every society throughout the history of mankind, which it has been. And if we are going to be actively involved in spiritual warfare, we cannot be satisfied by simply ridding ourselves of racism. We must fight against the systemic structure of that evil. That was a really good applause moment from anyone that's paying attention to me. Listen to me again. If we are going to be actively involved in spiritual warfare, we cannot be satisfied by simply ridding ourselves of racism. We must fight against the systemic structure of that evil. That's what we are called to. That's what Jesus did. And he is our model. Jesus just didn't say, well, I got no sin in me, so I'm good. He came against the system of evil in an act of spiritual war. Now, I'm going to wade into something controversial. Um, And I want you to know I am not making a political statement right now. 
I am trying to bring about a spiritual truth that I've seen in a recent political environment. So I'm asking that you would take off whatever political party hat you wear and, and just listen to what I'm saying. All right? We've all heard um, the sexual assault charges that came against uh, Mr. Kavanaugh by Dr. Ford. Uh, and our country has been polarized uh, through this process once again. Now, whether Dr. Ford's claims are factual, I don't know. And honestly, you don't know, right? Only God knows. Let's just say only God knows the complete story. Whether Mr. Kavanaugh's testimony is accurate, I don't know. And you don't know. And whether something 30 plus years ago should be a determining factor in keeping him off the Supreme Court, this is my opinion now, I don't know, I wrestle with that. I have a really tough time with it, right? But there is something bigger that is taking place. Please listen carefully and take off your political party hat. I've watched a country through this process, including some Christians who have vilified and ridiculed Dr. Ford's testimony with memes and social media content, uh, comments and news stories and speeches and rallies before any investigation was ever made. And immediately, because we're torn between Republican and Democrat, we, we immediately look at this and, and, and immediately we, we lash out and we start to ridicule and vilify her story, right? I don't know what the truth is. I, 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 I don't know. But what I do know, listen, that there is a system of evil in our world that devalues women. I don't know what's true in this story, but there is a bigger spiritual principle here that we, even Christians, have missed. I don't know what the truth is, but I do know, I am convinced that there is a system of evil in our world that devalues women. What I do know is there is a systemic evil that uses women. What I do know is rooted in our culture, there is an evil that abuses women. There is a culture of raping women, a network of evil that sells young girls into a sex industry just to be bought and sold by men. That I am sure of. I do know that there is a systemic evil, an evil that sexually assaults women because we see them as the object of our sexual gratification. Of that I know. And my concern is that how we respond as a country and how we respond as followers of Christ when we demonize her testimony is sending a message to women that we know have endured this type of evil. And the message that we're sending is shut up and deal with it yourself. Because if you come forward, you too will be harassed You too will be demonized. You too will be ridiculed. There's a bigger problem here, church. I'm not, listen, if all you're hearing is uh, he doesn't want Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court, baby, that's not what I'm saying. There's something much bigger taking place here. There is a systemic evil that has used and abused women since the beginning of mankind. And when we take one person's testimony, when we don't even know the truth, We are aiding a kingdom of darkness to continue that kind of evil in our culture. And it is not the kingdom of God, and it is not the culture of God, and it is not the value system of God. And so if you believe Dr. Ford is lying, that's fine. She might be, or she may be mistaken, she may be traumatized. I don't know. I don't. I'm not saying she's right. And if you think Mr. Kavanaugh should, should sail through, I'm okay with that too. But please see the bigger issue here. That you are called, I am called, 
to promote the culture of the kingdom of God. I am called to promote the value system of the kingdom of God far and above any political system that I may be attached to. Now, if all you heard was liberal Democrat, which I'm not even saying I'm not a Democrat, if you want my political opinions, you can come and talk to me. Let me remind you what I think the Apostle Paul would speak over us today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may make your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, other translation says we wrestle. The idea, it's the only place I believe in the New Testament where he uses this word. It's the idea of a hand-to-hand combat. He says, for our struggle, it is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to make your stand. You stand your ground. And after, you have done everything to stand. See, this is where our battle lies. The battle wasn't between Kavanaugh and Ford. The battle is between a system of evil that has come against God and all that he stands for. Now look, I know some of you are going to say, well, what about the systemic evil of false accusations against someone? You're right. Totally agree. This isn't an either-or situation. Okay? It's both and. And so if there is lying, needs to be held accountable, 100%, no issues with that. I agree with you. But if we want to put, you know, I've, I've seen these memes coming out now that, you know, be careful of your sons. One false accusation could ruin their entire lives. I have two boys. It's concerning. In my profession, it's been concerning. But if you want to place the sexual assault of women and a false allegation of men on the scale of humanity, the scale tips very easily one direction. There is a systemic rooted structure of evil in our culture and our job is to push back the darkness and we do that by promoting the kingdom values and the kingdom culture and that is your job and that is my job and the opportunities are everywhere around us because our battle is ultimately not against flesh and blood spiritual warfare is everywhere And if you want to weaken the kingdom of darkness, begin to live like Jesus. Usher in the kingdom, the rule and the reign and the culture and the values of God. For the battles that we have in life, whatever they may be, are fundamentally not physical in nature. There is a spiritual realm that is promoting and pushing a culture of evil upon us. And we need to stand our ground to push back by promoting the kingdom values and culture and the rule and the reign of God. So you want to be involved in spiritual warfare this year? Act like Jesus. Live like Jesus lived. And you will push back the darkness. Stand with me. So Holy Spirit, I'm praying that um, it was your voice that was heard and that your voice that stirs us and moves us and that it is your truth that reigns here.
I pray for each one of us here that we would be involved in the battle. And we would push back the darkness by allowing our light to shine. That we would promote the kingdom of God and and your culture and your values. And that we would pray for the rule and the reign and the authority of God to break in among us. And we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here in El Mirage, here in Surprise, here in this church as it is in heaven. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in this country as it is in heaven. And we pray that we may be carriers of the good news that our light would shine in the darkness and that through our words and through our actions we would promote the kingdom of God and that we would live like Jesus lived. Open our eyes to see the battle around us Open our eyes to realize that our struggle really is not against flesh and blood. But there are powers and principalities that empower those ideologies and those systems. For it is not enough for us to say, I am not affected by this evil. When that evil has been rooted everywhere. We must make a stand. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So next week, we're going to talk about the armor of God and how that applies in our spiritual battles. The following week, uh, I think we're going to talk about uh, demons, demonic possession, uh, and we'll blow your mind on that one. So, all right, guys. uh, If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you down front. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. God bless. Have a great week. Me, the light. If you have so sick.